There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash forward. He's the creator of the universe and life itself, all-knowing and all-powerful. Yet God still knows you individually and loves you personally. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah ponders this truth in a story from Elisha's life that illustrates how much God cares about even the most routine problems you face. From Elisha, the double-blessed prophet, here's David to introduce an ordinary miracle. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I mentioned at the end of our program yesterday that when you say ordinary and miracle in the same sentence, it kind of strips your gears uh, intellectually. But what we mean by that is this. Most people read the Bible and they think miracles only happen to prophets, only happen to kings, so only happen to apostles. But miracles happen to ordinary people, and they often happen about ordinary problems. And um, if you read carefully, they sometimes introduce ordinary projects. We're going to learn about that today as we continue our study in the life of Elisha. If you're like most Christians, you may never have studied this man. I'll tell you what happens to poor Elisha. He gets lost at the end of Elijah. Elijah's life is is on fire. He ends up leaving the earth in a fiery chariot. And then there's Elisha, who prayed for a double blessing. He actually asked God to bless him twice as much as he had blessed Elijah. And God heard him and answered him, and you can quantify it if you study his life. Well, I'm glad we're studying Elisha's life because there's so much that we can learn that will help us. Before we get into our lesson today, let me just remind you that at the end of this year, we're taking a conference cruise to the Caribbean. Yes, we're back in that groove again, and God willing, we'll be able to meet together and enjoy a wonderful time away on the beautiful Blue Caribbean. We're going to be leaving on December the 30th and returning on January the 8th. We'll spend New Year's Eve and New Year's Day aboard a beautiful Holland American ship. Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, all of the Turning Point team will be there. And we want you to be there, too. This will be a very special, uh, intimate time together, and we'd love for you to join us. Go to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. There you can find out more about our tour to the Caribbean in December. Right now, let's get back to our study of Elisha. We're in the sixth chapter of Second Kings, and today's message is An Ordinary Miracle. I remember a wonderful story about a woman whose young daughter was taken ill one morning at school, and the mother received a call from the school. She went to the school, and she picked up her little girl. And when she got home, she called the doctor, and she described her daughter's problems to the doctor. And the doctor reported that there seemed to be some sort of an outbreak of this flu-like affliction, and because of the number of people coming in to be treated for it, he wouldn't be able to see her daughter until late that afternoon. He encouraged her to get her in bed and get her comfortable, and he gave her a prescription that she needed to go to the drugstore and fill and get her daughter started on this medicine. 
So she put her daughter in bed and tucked her in and told her she was going to the store for the medicine. She said, I'll be back in just a few moments. And she rushed to the store and purchased the medicine. But when she returned to the parking lot, she discovered she had left her keys in the car. Looking through the window, she could see them dangling from the ignition and the car was locked. The first response that came to her mind was to pull her cell phone out of her pocketbook and call her daughter and explain to her that she was going to be delayed. And when she called her daughter, her daughter said to her, Mommy, you need to go get a coat hanger. I've seen it on television, how they stick a coat hanger down the window and then lock the door. Well, she didn't know what that meant, but she went back inside the store and was able to get a wire coat hanger, though she had her doubts about whether it would work. In fact, she was sort of embarrassed when she walked out of the door of the store and she was standing on the curb with this coat hanger in her hands. But she was a woman of prayer and she lifted up her heart to the Heavenly Father and she said, I don't know what to do, Lord. My little girl is homesick. I've got this coat hanger here. I don't know what to do with it. Could you just please send somebody to help me? As she finished her prayer, opened her eyes, a car pulled up at the curb right where she was standing. And a passenger was dropped off and the car went away. The man who got out must have been God's answer, the woman concluded, though he didn't look like the kind of package that God would send. He had a rough look about him. He hadn't shaved for days and she thought he might be a homeless person. But she said to him, sir, can you help me? What's the problem, he said. She said, well, I've locked my keys in the car and I've got this stupid coat hanger and I don't know what to do with it. Can you help me? He said, lady, where's your car? She took him to the car and after bending the coat hanger and inserting it over the top of the window, he quickly got the door open. The mother was so overwhelmed that she put her arms around this scruffy guy, gave him a big hug to thank him. You're such a good man, she said to him. Lady, he replied, I'm no good man. I got out of prison this morning. As the man walked away, the mother thought for a moment. Then she lifted her hands toward heaven and she said, Thank you, Lord. You sent me a professional. <laughs> now, how many of you know that that story may not be true? I don't know if it is or not. But it illustrates the fact that God cares about not just the big things in our lives. He cares about the little things as well. We talked about how much he cared about Naaman. And you remember he tested Naaman's humility by telling him he had to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times in the Jordan River for his leprosy to be healed. By the time we come to 2 Kings chapter 6, the prophet Elisha has performed at least 10 miracles in his ministry. All of them are rather extraordinary. But as we come to the miracle of this night, you would have to say, if there is such a thing, this is a more ordinary miracle. Now, I know that seems almost like double speak because miracles, by the very nature of what they are, are not ordinary. But as you compare miracle to miracle, this is a more ordinary miracle than any that we have studied or that we're going to study through the end of this series. It reminds us that God cares about the small things of life. God helps us even in our ordinary day-to-day -day activities. And as I'm saying that, I know you can rehearse in your mind some of those moments 
when Almighty God has done something special for you, and it wasn't any big deal. It was just something you really needed him to do, and he stepped in and he helped you. You see, the greatness of God is not in the fact that he is the God of the big things, but in the fact that he is faithful in the little things. We make a mistake when we confuse God's greatness with bigness. Part of the greatness of God appears in the fact that he attends to the small problems that we have in life, the seemingly mundane and ordinary affairs of your life and mine. So as we open our Bibles to 2 Kings and the 6th chapter, we have three things that we learn from the miracle we're going to study. First of all, we learn that God cares about ordinary people. In the first verse of 2 Kings 6, we read these words. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Apparently in those days, under Elisha's ministry, prophet schools began to grow up under his leadership. You remember when Elijah stood on the mountain and he said he was the only prophet left and God corrected him. He said, no, there are over 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so little by little, as Elisha had his ministry, he began to raise up schools and they were called the schools of prophets. And they seemed to be scattered throughout the area where Elisha lived and where he worked. And there was one special group that had a number of students in it that, well, they hung out near the Jordan River. Elisha must have been a really good teacher because as he taught, these schools began to grow and more and more students wanted to come. And you would learn how to be a prophet, not necessarily a prophesier, but a prophet who spoke the truth. Now, Elijah was not the only one left, as I've mentioned. There were many who were learning to be prophets. Elisha was the catalyst in all of this, and he had built a school. And as we read the first verse, we discover that this school had grown to such an extent that they had a space problem. Here I want to just stop for a moment and remind you again that a school on the bank of Jordan that's run out of room gets the notice of Almighty God. A church that doesn't have enough room for its children gets God's attention when we ask for help. Everywhere you look in the kingdom, you see God at work through his people, and most of the work is not huge, big things. It's the simple, ordinary things that we do, and God helps us. In other words, the needs the prophets had back then were just like the needs we have today. They were a lot like you and me. In fact, the Bible reminds us that we are all alike, ordinary, in one spectacular way. We were created in God's image, and each of us has something special to do. It may seem ordinary to us, but it is not ordinary to God. Today, the population of our world is about 7.7 billion people, of which you are one individual of which I am one individual. If that isn't humbling enough, consider this. Recent estimates show that the total number of people who have ever lived on planet Earth ranged from 90 to 110 billion. And again, each one of us is a single individual in that vast number. We are one out of 
hundreds of millions of billions of people. And yet the Bible tells us that God knows us and he cares about us and he sees everything there is to see about us before we can ever ask. He already knows what we need. The Bible tells us that God knows and cares for each one of us. Listen to this passage from the book of Matthew. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. The argument that Jesus makes is that if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground and not be noticed in its falling by God, God knows everything there is to know about you and me. And he takes it even further. He says, the very hairs of our head are numbered. I got a little curious about that, and I did some research. Here's a little trivia. Blondes have about 150,000 hairs. Redheads have around 90,000. And if your hair is black or brown, you have about 110,000. Let's do the math. The average human head has about 100,000 hairs. If there are approximately 7.7 billion people on the planet, that means God knows the current status of about 7.7 quadrillion hairs, including yours. So this is what it is. We are just God's ordinary people. God knows everything there is to know about us. How that ought to comfort us, especially in a time like this, when sometimes we feel so alone in the midst of our questions in, in this pandemic. So our story starts with a group of ordinary prophets letting Elisha know that they need a bigger place to live. And if you're following along in your Bible, it's interesting to note that this story is sandwiched in between two scenes in this book of international political foreign affairs, military strategy, national crisis. On one side of this miracle is a national crisis. On the other side of this miracle is an international political intrigue. In the middle of these two major things is this story about one ordinary miracle. And it tells us that God is not just the God of the big things. He's the God of everything. He's the God of the hairs on your head. He's the God who cares about the needs in your life. We need to understand as men and women that while we cannot comprehend the omniscience of Almighty God... We can worship him for it and accept it by faith. The prophet Isaiah said this about God. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Did you hear what Isaiah said about God? He's the high and holy God who no man has ever been able to see and live. Yet in the same verse, we are told he is the God who cares about those who are going through sorrow, those who are in contrite spirit, those who are humble. He's the God of the great things and he's the God of the simple things. What a wonderful reminder that is for me and for you today. God promises to meet us right where we are and help us through whatever it is we're facing. 
Yes, miracles are for prophets. Miracles are for preachers. Miracles are for those who lead. But as we're going to learn in this story, miracles are also for ordinary people. God cares about ordinary people. Here's the second thing I want you to know. God cares about ordinary projects. In verses 2 through 4, we learn that Elisha's students are facing a housing crisis. They said to their teacher, Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And Elisha said, Go. The plan was to travel to the Jordan River and collect timber for a building project. Elisha gave them the green light, but one of the students in the group wanted Elisha's presence in this journey. And you understand that when you're involved in some big deal and the person who's in the center of it, you want that person with you. And they wanted Elisha. Elisha represented the presence of God to these students. And verse 3 and 4 of 2 Kings 6 tells us, Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And Elisha answered, I will go. And so... He went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down the trees. Elisha's students wanted their teacher's blessing on their building project, and they also wanted his presence. So when Elisha assured them that he would go with them, they were encouraged, and they stepped forward in faith. I think that this is a good reminder to all of us who do even what I do, that the projects we get involved with, if God is in them, He's obligated to help us through them. And I can tell you the stories of every one of those projects, how there was a time in the midst of all of them when I wondered, how is this ever going to happen? But I realized that when God calls you to do something, whether it's in ministry or to build a project like they did back here in Second Kings, if God is in it, he will help you with it. God is not the kind of God who gets you caught up in some big project only to let you fall in the midst of it in defeat. Here's the key thing. Is this the will of God? If it is the will of God, you go forward in faith. You keep touch with God every step of the way, like Nehemiah did when he was rebuilding the wall, and you trust God to help you. James says it this way. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, and spend a year there, and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. There have been many times when I wasn't sure what the Lord wanted us to do. I remember one time taking a set of plans for a building we were about to build to a friend of mine who lived in Kansas City. He had built many buildings, and I had always been amazed at how he did it. I remember getting down on my knees and unrolling those architectural plans on the floor, and Truman and I got down on our knees and looked at those plans and prayed over them and said, Lord, if this is your plan for this church, make it plain to us. And he did, and we built the building. The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So what I want to say to you secondly is God not only cares about ordinary people like all of us, he cares about ordinary projects. 
You may have a project you're working on right now in your service to the Lord. What I'm saying is, if God is in it, he will show you. He's obligated to help you do what he calls you to do. He's not in some sort of game where he wants to embarrass you by getting you out on a limb and then cutting the limb off. He's with you all the way. So the first two things we've learned is that God cares about ordinary people and he cares about ordinary projects. But the core of this story is wrapped up in the third and final principle, and here it is. God cares about ordinary problems. Any of you have any ordinary problems? What happened here is almost amusing, and I must tell you before we finish reading this, this is probably the most assaulted miracle in the Bible. People who don't believe in the supernatural say this is absolutely ridiculous. This could never have happened. And they shine it and they make an example out of it. And they say this is one of the reasons why I don't believe the Bible. Here's what happened. As one of the sons of prophets, verse 5, was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. In other words, this son of the prophet went to the Jordan and he was cutting down some timber and he had a borrowed axe and he was working so hard the axe head flew off the end of the handle and went into the Jordan River and it went down to the bottom and he didn't know what to do. At this point in the story, it helps us to know how valuable iron tools were back in those days. By way of comparison, imagine borrowing a table saw from a friend and then watching it bounce off your pickup truck and land in the river. Or imagine borrowing the truck itself, losing control of the steering wheel and crashing it to the bottom of a ravine. If the young prophet was like most students, he could barely scrape together enough money to pay for tuition. So when he saw the axe head whizzing through the air and plummeting into the watery grave, he had a sinking feeling and he cried out to Elisha, Given the high cost of iron tools in those days, especially in a relatively poor country such as Israel, the young prophet thought this would put him in prison. He would be an indentured servant. Little did he know that Elisha was about to perform his 11th miracle, a very ordinary but very strange miracle. Let me read to you from the scripture. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place where the axe head went into the water. And so Elisha cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron to float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he picked up the axe head from the water after Elisha made it float to the top. When Elisha heard about this problem, he took a piece of timber and threw it into the river. He wanted there to be a point of context. He didn't want anybody to say, well, it really wasn't at the bottom. No, he put the wood in the water where he was told the axe head had gone down. And somehow the iron axe head rose to the surface and the young student picked it up, attached it to his axe handle and went back to work. Well, that was certainly a very needed miracle for that young man. But it was kind of ordinary, wasn't it? It wasn't about anything huge or big. The loss of an axe head. Who could have thought? 
Well, more of that tomorrow. We'll finish up the story when we meet together tomorrow here on Turning Point. You know, every passing year seems to be filled with more uncertainty, and as time passes, sometimes anxiety can take over, and we forget who it is that controls our lives. One of the ways we try to prevent that from happening to our listeners is by providing a calendar that daily reminds them that God is in charge and that He loves them dearly. This year, the calendar is called Moving Toward Hope, and it's designed to help you focus on the promises of God in the coming year. This 14-month calendar, beginning in November of this year, will take you through all of 2022. And when you get this calendar, you will want to put it where you can see it every day. It's beautifully designed, and uh, it's theme is moving toward hope. You can get a calendar like this delivered to your home for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of September. Friends, it's no secret that we do what we do because of what you do. Your faithfulness in giving, your continued prayer for Turning Point makes it possible for us to continue teaching the Word of God all over the world in ways we never dreamed possible thanks to you. Ask for your calendar when you send your gift to Turning Point this month. And we'll see you next time for the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Elisha, the Double-Blessed Prophet, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope, filled with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet, here on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. One of my seminary professors would tell his students to go home and write down everything they observed about a certain Bible verse. Students worked for hours mining the verse's riches. He would then send them home to do it again and again and again for four or five nights straight. 
His point was that we rarely see everything the first time we look, and that includes looking at the Bible. The writer of Proverbs said to look at the animal kingdom for godly character traits, and Paul said to look at creation for evidence of God. There's always more to see if we will just look. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover who God is on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.